Michaela Henry is wielding the power of the pen through pure poetry. She is the author of the poem Parhesia, which went viral last year for pointing fearlessly to the corrupt power and top-down control around the pandemic. Her crusade for truth elevates messages of medical freedom, the desire for clear language and media, and an eagerness to understand governance in the Western world. Kayla is a brilliant, budding Canadian artist. In our interview, we read parts of her new book, Rhymes to Rhetoric, and map out her hero's journey, reflecting on her call to adventure to step out as an individual and to catch flight through creative freedom. I'm Sienna Mayheath, and this is Leaving the Left for Liberty. We can still erase this if we face it, us against the faces that convince us drugs will solve our problems while they profit from our consumption. Stop listening to stars and politicians and begin using intuition, discerning fact from fiction. Stop paying into our addiction of listening to a system that's turning us to victims of our lack of wisdom. If you don't see it now, it's okay to be confused. But don't throw rocks at those who do. Take a step back and you'll see who is piloting this ruse. A bunch of individuals profiting from your residuals, putting our money into propaganda and riot police instead of into our failing healthcare system. But I can tell you, the people who came out independent were the ones who were observant. I had to unlearn to become present and I'm still working on it. But I make decisions for myself. This isn't about health. If it were, they'd tell us, get your vitamins, go for walks whenever you can, do sports, eat well, have interactions, real human connections, raise your kids with healthy immune systems. Instead, they punish insurrections that fight for freedom from the infectious disease that is control. They swallow us whole, keep us indoors, special treatment for big box stores, give us fines when we're unsure what martial law is in place today give us checks to stay on our good side, keep us lost and afraid because we can't afford a rising mortgage or rent because we lost our pay. It was never going to be just a few days. Hi. Hi, Kayla. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm just thrilled to have you on the show. I've been watching and reading your poetry nonstop. Fantastic. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. So, um, as I mentioned in our messages, since we're both writers, I think we can really play around with the like the kind of underlying theme of the series, which is the hero's journey, and map it out um, like rather specifically and kind of like make it a creative exercise and a world building exercise, and then like yeah. mix in some of your poetry too. Oh, you got the book, yes, the book, yeah, fantastic. Oh, no, I, I think that would be super, uh, super interesting. I did a little bit of research this morning on the whole hero's journey thing, which I, I have come across before, but uh, it's definitely going to be kind of a, an interesting thing to map out. And yeah, definitely a nice creative kind of exercise, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. So I've noticed that quite a few individuals who are rising above the modern day witch hunt, as I like to call it, mm -hmm. many of us are creatives, like, yeah. we're like writers, poets like yourself, painters, mm -hmm. musicians, comedians. And I, I think there's something to that. So I'm mm -hmm. curious as an artist, a YouTuber and just all around beautiful person, a Canadian as well, and <laughs> <laughs> what motivates you to be brave? Oh, wow. I mean, I, I think it's just the need to be the best version of myself. I think deep down, we all want to be that, but we have a lot of things that kind of, that, that we hold back. We, we censor ourselves from being the best version of our truest selves. And that actually exhausts the, the creative spirit, the ego and everything. So I think at a certain point, it just bubbles up and you need to do something about it. Yeah, it's it's inevitable. And I've been wondering too about like whether every person on the planet has this capacity within themselves to step out as an individual and be brave, whether mm -hmm. through their art or 
um, another way that they're using their voice. So what do you think is inside of you and perhaps inside of any person that motivates you to step out as an individual? I honestly believe that we all have an artist inside of us. And some of us, I guess, are more in touch with that inner artist and have that, that absolute pleasure of being in touch with that, that side of themselves. I've been like that my, my whole life. I've always been an artist involved in like music. I, I studied theater and I've always been writing, whether it's poems or, or song lyrics. So it's, it's always been inside me. I've always had that creative flow, but honestly, in the last couple of years, as I'm navigating this, this new idea of the world, my inspiration has skyrocketed. Hmm. It's kind of like opened the, it's opened Pandora's box of inspiration. And I'm just like, I'm riding that wave. That's awesome. Yeah. And it, it seems to me that, that you're organically following the steps of the hero's journey. And like, as you know, there is that old world, new world paradigm within, mm-hmm. within the hero's journey. So there's leaving a familiar world behind. Yeah. There's learning to navigate an unfamiliar world. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. Relatable and returning home to the self transformed. Um, So yeah, like, as I've mentioned, since we're both writers and lovers of story, I thought we could map out your hero's journey. But first, let's establish your character. Who is Kayla Henry? Oh, wow. That's such a, that's such a loaded question. Honestly, I'm, I'm still figuring that out. Um, To me, I know I'm deep down, I'm, I'm an artist. And I am, I think I'm a lot more in touch with nature than I thought I was, I guess, many years ago. Um, Deep down as well, I am not a mother yet, but I think I have that motherly instinct. So in in a way, I am a creator. I am a mother. I am... uh, on all my bios, I say lover of life. And that that's what it is. That's true. I, I love life. And that's why I'm here to make the most of it. And it's, it's pretty uh, filled with ups and downs, but it's, it's so worth it, because that's it. I, I love life so much. Wow. I mean, that's beautiful. And it's, it's quite almost like an accomplishment or just something to strive for in these times, because like there are plenty of things to keep us up at night, especially like those of us who have gone down some <laughs> yeah. holes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so let, let's map out the hero's journey. So first we, in, in many like epic tales, we experience the hero in a sort of status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the call to adventure. Then there's meeting a human guide or supernatural aid. Right crossing a threshold, road of trials, (laughs) approaching a cave, an ordeal, a reward, magic flight, return, resurrection, and resolution. So let's start with the status quo. What was your life like at the beginning of 2020? And how would you describe the status quo like in the Western world before the pandemic? Right. Um, so a few years ago, I, I, I'm an actress. So I'm definitely not a big famous actress or anything, but definitely a, a creative at heart as we already established. And I was very much into that zone of the, I guess the, the Hollywood mindset, kind of trying your best to be the perfect image of what the, I guess, the, the left side wants people to, to look like and wants people to, to be like, and trying to be a mentor for something you're not meant to do, almost. Um, so I was very much in a space where I was trying my best to be very creative 
but there was a, a mental block, I suppose, because I knew deep down it wasn't exactly who I was. And I was having a very hard time fitting into that particular artistic community where everyone's walking on eggshells and not really letting their true opinions fly. Mm. That's where, that's where my status quo was, was this is, it's, it's normal to try desperately to fit in and your, your main goal is to get a role and be accepted. And so you're just kind of painting yourself with many different faces and hoping that catches on and you paint yourself with every face except for your own. Oh gosh. Yeah. That's a profound way of putting it. There is this culture of cowardice too, and Mm -hmm. uh, fakery that really, I think it really rubs um, like creatives that are like coming into their power just like rubs us the wrong way because we're like yeah. they just want real real talk you know real art um, yeah. and then there was this breaking point um, I think for a lot of us at the beginning of the pandemic or maybe like a few months in what was your first breaking point in spring or summer of 2020? Oh it's hard to pinpoint I think even before the uh, pandemic lockdown hit, I was already starting to question my reality. I think the, the big tipping point for me where I started thinking, Hey, something is not right. Was the first time I did my taxes by myself. And I was looking at this and I was wondering like, why the heck did no one prepare me to do something that has so much weight behind it and so much like importance and if you don't do it right you get audited and if and then nobody ever told me how to do my taxes (laughs) nobody ever taught me in my lovely public school how to navigate the real world and there were a whole bunch of little like easter eggs of confusion that I thought like, why did no one talk to me about this when I was young and like developing my brain? Hmm. So that was that like, I guess, so tax time that was like, right as the pandemic started, actually. Yeah, like, uh, even a couple years before, like, let's say two years before when I did my taxes by myself for the first time, because my, my okay. mother used to do them for me, you know, and uh So yeah, that was even before uh, the pandemic hit. And then when it came to the pandemic, like I'm, I'm a naturally curious human being. So I'll, I'll fall down these rabbit holes because I'm just curious. And it's not like I'm, I'm trying to be a conspiracy theorist or whatever. I'm just, I'm just so curious. So I'm going on government websites, looking at all the stats and I'm like, things aren't adding up. Like if I'm thinking, if I'm looking at the calculations that I'm making, the survival rates versus the death rates, I'm like, why is everything getting locked down if it's not, it's not that bad. Mm. (laughs) So that's where, that's where I sat. I, I just, there was something that wasn't clicking right. And I couldn't find the logic in all these health measures. Mm. Yeah. And what were you uncertain about? What, what else uh, were you uncertain about? Yeah. Whew, what was I uncertain about? I, I was uncertain about, well, obviously everyone's thinking about their own health. And when, when the pandemic hit, I, I was, I was scared. I was scared. I, I thought this was all very real and I thought I needed to sanitize my groceries I did that for uh several several weeks until I'm like well I don't know if this makes very much sense so I I just I was doing research because I wanted to know why I was so scared and why it was so important for other people to tell me that I should be scared because nobody wants to be scared. And I didn't like being scared. 
So I needed to find a way out of it. I needed to calm myself down. Were, Were you asking questions like more publicly or of your peers? And like, if so, how were you treated? At that point, no. I... I was too scared to really talk to anyone about it. And there was this um, strange air in the world where people didn't want to see each other anyways. So I was, I guess, communicating with uh, my fiance at home and having discussions like that with him and kind of bouncing ideas off one another. But it was very much, I kind of uh, put on my horse blinders and dove into any kind of research that I could do. I was doing it very much on, on my own solo. Yeah. Well, and moving forward, you wrote the, the poem that for lack of better words, went viral mm-hmm. called Parhesia. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Parhesia. Parhesia. So, which yeah. means free, frank and fearless speech. And I learned that in ancient Greek, um, mm-hmm. speaking with parhesia meant saying everything or speaking one's mind. And mm-hmm. I love how, actually, I prefer your definition. I love how you define it in your poem called all speak. Yeah. Um, freely, candidly, an openness to speak your mind, an apology of some kind for being blunt and staying bold. Hmm. So would you like yeah. to give us a taste of parhesia and read a little bit of it? Uh, yeah, sure. Thank you. I just, uh, it's definitely a pretty, pretty long poem. So I'll just read a, a chunk of it uh, here. This is kind of midway through the poem. We're right where they want us, distanced and thoughtless, avoiding each other so we can't discuss what's wrong with this picture. Instead, we write our feelings, caps lock on with words vomiting out of our thumbs without knowledge of real arguing. Why can't ideas be shared without ruining friendships and careers just because someone got offended, never learned emotional intelligence? Your feelings have no relevance in the crusade for truth. That's that's a chunk. Yeah. People seem to be resonating with the feelings have no relevance in the crusade for truth line. And it's one of my favorite lines in the poem as well. Yeah. And, and you read another one of my favorite parts, with, which is about um, relationships. And I think when I first shared it, I shared that line. Why mm-hmm. could, could you repeat it again? So I don't butcher it. About uh, why can't ideas be shared without ruining friendships and careers? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's such a almost like simple question. Like why, why, how have we gotten to this point? Um, and in writing that you also spoke to um, the corrupt powers when two were about the corrupt powers that be and how divisive they can be and how easy it is for people to fall into the fear programming. Mm-hmm. So as, as you were releasing this, did you perhaps like identify a villain of sorts, kind of like the, you know, in the hero's journey, there's always a villain. So what were you working against? Yeah. So when I was writing the poem, I was pretty angry. (laughs) And so the whole idea of using the they word kind of came out and they can really represent a lot of different groups. So people who are reading it might think, well, they is this, or they is that. Um, they, in a lot of the lines in the poem would be uh, the government and anyone who's involved in the healthcare system. Um, now, looking back, I wrote this poem in May, I think, I think back to it and my concern really is is personal autonomy and it's not about who they is and the they versus us it's really about what's going on in here and in here so so yeah they they at that point for me was the the government and the people who were disagreeing with things that i were say was saying and the questions i was asking yeah. That was the villain at that point. 
Yeah. I, and when I was just reflecting on what I knew of you so far, I was thinking that it, it would be something like pure poetry versus corrupt power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because there is still like a, a purity to, to this poem, while it really like it speaks to the very like 3D realities of our world. It's still, I think it's like in the rhyming and in the rhythm too, like that's what really makes it so exceptional. Mm. Um, and it's, it's just so to the point, like this is who you are unapologetically. And I felt like in a way you were doing it for us, like for those of us who we're sick and tired of feeling alone in all of this, like just to mm-hmm. give us a voice, a voice to the voiceless. Right. Honestly, when I, I wrote the poem, I, it was all, it was for myself because I had been going down these rabbit holes and just overwhelming my brain with new information and this new understanding of how, how the world runs and how corruption is affecting us so so deeply and it's taking away our our humanity and I had been consuming so much information that it was really getting getting stuck like right here and at one point I sat down and all the words just vomited out of my thumbs Um, and I I wrote it in maybe half an hour an hour Hmm. because it just all, it all spilled out like some sort of divine intervention. It just (laughs) waterfalled out of me like that. And I, I guess the reason I posted it and shared it online was more of a, to, to free myself in a way. I just wanted to say, okay, people who know me or kind of know me, this is what I think have have at it do what you will with it I did not expect it to travel as far as it did and still is traveling it was more of a like a self-healing process about saying hey I have an alternate opinion and it feels good to tell someone that I'm not having any of it (laughs) yeah that does feel good I've had those my writing journey too where I'm just like this is who I am. Please don't hunt me down. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's beauty in that vulnerability too. Um, did you hesitate at all to release the full poem? Oh yeah. I, I wrote the poem. I memorized it. I filmed it. And then the final edit stayed on my computer for like a week or two because I didn't want to release it. I, I had all sorts of mental theater going on saying like, well, people are going to think you're uh, a Looney Tune or uh, just all, all sorts of, all sorts of negative thoughts I was having about how people were going to react to it. And it was more um, the people in my closer circles that I was concerned about. Yeah. But at a certain point, I'm like, well, I, I wrote it there's a reason I wrote it. So just share it and whatever happens, happens. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get used to this idea that a lot of the fears that you have aren't actually going to manifest in reality. So don't live your life based on the fears you have. Live it based on your art and your, your love and your desires and just let it run free let your art run free yeah yeah and when when you did this it it reminded me of the throat chakra and how are you familiar with the the chakras not not super familiar but please like educate me (laughs) I mean I'm not super familiar either but I I have been told about the blocking of the throat chakra and like how many artists and others who like use their voice um can feel that especially in these times because of the self-censorship and the actual censorship from the top down um and in in release it i i feel like i'm sorry i just love your poetry so i just want to read one more if that's okay because this moment when you released it um i felt like this short poem called decide kind of perhaps like summed up how you were feeling 
Yep. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you wrote, I could live a sheltered life or expose myself to strife. But if I take the latter, let it be for what is right. Yep. (laughs) That's, that's exact. That's exactly it. It's you, you can't just hold everything back for the rest of your life because eventually it's going to come back and bite you spiritually. It's going to wear you down. Yeah. Yeah. And, but the next stage of the hero's journey, um, yeah, actually on. Kind of like transitions perfectly. It's like, because you were, you were talking about like a spiritual crisis perhaps. So Um, sometimes in the, in the hero's journey, there's a human guide and other times it's more of like a supernatural aid. So Mm -hmm. who or what helped you during this time of releasing Parhesia? Well, I, I I go back to, to my fiance, Vince, like he's uh, the most intelligent person I have ever had the pleasure of knowing. And I read, I read Parhesia to him. He's the first person I read it to. I read it out loud. I sat on the couch with him and I said, Hey, I wrote a poem. Can you listen to, to it? And I think it's really good, but tell me what you think. So I read it to him and he said, that deserves to be heard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of these concerns are spiritual too. Um, Like there's this clinging to the material reality, which I see, especially around the issue of vaccine mandates. There's like this desire to have one's physical reality meet another's physical reality to like prove one's love or goodness, which I feel is really more Mm -hmm. materialism. That's rooted in materialism. And then there's also this craving for spiritual reality to really release those shackles to see beyond even left and right and create a new world. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have any spiritual beliefs that shape your perception of what's happening? Um, Well, I, I'm not a very religious person, um, but there are a lot of aspects of, I guess, Christianity that makes sense to me. And one of the aspects is the aspect of forgiveness and it helps shape me as an individual and thinking well anyone who does wrong is not doing it because they are innately evil it is because they are misguided is because of perhaps prior indoctrination it is because they are doing what they think is right. And if we keep yelling at each other and pointing fingers at each other, we're, we're just digging ourselves into deeper holes of, of separation and just this desire to be the one who is right is, is not healthy. And forgiveness is about understanding where people are coming from and understanding that we all make mistakes and we're all doing what we think is best for ourselves and for our families. And so it, it helps take down that, that anger and that desire to um, hate and point fingers at people who are really just trying to do their best it's a really difficult world to navigate. And I, I've been on so many different ends of the spectrum of beliefs so I can understand where people are coming from. And I know that fire hosing people and pointing fingers and calling people out on their, on their BS or their bad corrupt beliefs is not helpful. It doesn't help anyone it strips people's egos and that makes people shut down even more (laughs) Hmm. yeah so so have you been um kind of dabbling in like different parts of the political spectrum during your life so far I, i i suppose i've always been kind of 
politically homeless in a sense when I first was of age to vote I didn't really understand politics very much but I was told by the people around me well you can vote so vote like exercise your right to vote and that didn't sit well with me I'm like well why would I exercise my right to vote if I don't even know what that means like if I don't even know why I'm voting and who I'm voting for and what the purpose is and how it's going to change my life. So the first time I voted, I, I voted for Trudeau. Ooh. <laughs> you shudder a little bit when you say that. <laughs> why? Yeah, I'm like, why, why did I do that? Because I had no idea what I was doing and why I was doing it. I was just told by the people around me that that was the thing to do. If you have the right to vote, you exercise it, whether you know anything about politics or not. <laughs> hmm. And there are some charming figures. I would say Trudeau might be one of them. Some would consider him charming, um, who like perhaps they're doing what they think is right, but also when they're in those positions of power, they can exercise those top-down approaches Mm -hmm. um, to say, okay, this is what I think is right for my family. And also it's what I think is right for your family. And that's where it goes too far for me. And that's where I've sort of like, when I say like leaving the left for Liberty, I don't mean like leaving the left for the right, but I mm -hmm. do find at least in the U S I'm not sure if it's the same as in Canada, but the left is more of like a top down and then like other areas of the ideological spectrum, like libertarians, for example, like they, they believe in limited government and more of like a grassroots yeah. approach. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that was like the tension for me um, maybe a year ago or actually yeah, it was just about a year ago. Cause I came out as an undecided voter in mm -hmm. the 2020 election. And that, that was interesting <laughs> for more. It was interesting for other people. For me, it was like, I don't know. I just don't know who to vote for. I don't like the choices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, there's something about, um, well, the way I understand it is, I don't think uh, government ha should have as much control over people's individual lives, uh, to go as far as saying, what you should be teaching your children and at what time and to what extent. So I mean, it's, it's, it's complicated, because in many ways, um, systems of government can, can help. We've got a planet full of so many people and maybe without some sort of direction, it could be pandemonium, but how do we really know? But there's just way too much, there's way too much control over what people do. Like in, in a small town, there are regulations about how your house has to look and how you take care of your lawn. And it's like, what's, what's the point there? How is that helping people? Hmm. People can make a lot of their own decisions and what color you paint your house. That's maybe a, a little bit of a stretch, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of like small aspects that we can we can make these choices for ourselves this is this is not this is not what government was meant to do but it's become this this point of just absolute control of what every individual does every waking hour of their day mm. and that's that's not it that's not that's not how we grow as people we're not we're not all uh robots no no we're not um and i think collectively i use that term really loosely but like i do think collectively at least in the western world from what i'm observing we're crossing this threshold uh some i think a lot of us are crossing this threshold of saying you know enough is enough you don't get to tell me how i paint my house you don't get to tell me what my kids should be taught you don't get to tell me x y and z and it, for me, it's like, it runs deeper than just like, kind of like this material stuff. It's more like, you don't get to tell me what it means to be a good person. I know what's in my heart. And right. now with like, with the mandates too, I feel like 
it's now it's this infiltration of the body, which is like, for me, I think it's a sacred vessel and it's, it's like the ultimate source of autonomy. It's almost like the last, like the last place, (laughs) like if they come for your spirit, they come for your mind, but then like your body too. It's just, it feels, it feels, uh, uh, I'm, I'm really concerned (laughs) to say the least. Yeah. It's, it's all we have left. Mm-hmm. This is the only, like you said, it's the vessel. This is like the only thing we now have just full control over. And even then they're pushing to have control over that too. And that's, that's terrifying to me because like I, if I, I should be able to decide what I want to do with my with my body that's not that is not up to a person I've never met in my life Mm -hmm. yeah and a person who neither likes you nor understands you um, I'm sort of just paraphrasing a part of the scarlet letter there Mm -hmm. Um, like it's this feeling of like you know it how can this be for the common good when these people don't seem to like or understand me <laughs> like and and how can it be for the common good when so so much information and so many stories um like for those who, who have been injured um just get shoved under the rug or or deemed not as valuable or not as precious and like from the perspective of a writer and i, I feel like maybe you can relate to this too um I'm not a scientist. I am not a politician. I don't want to be either of those things, but I I do know stories and I do know that humans are made of stories. And when we get to a place where some stories are deemed more valuable than others, I think, I mean, I said it over a year ago, but I, I was right that that leads to a place of dehumanization and dehumanization leads to violence and historically it's just a very dangerous place to be so I I feel like I've crossed a threshold of like really wrestling with my own truth not wrestling but like you know um appreciating the worthiness of my own truth and then also like looking to people like you and um I, I hesitate to like even call us heroes or you you a hero because um, I feel like some people are like, well, I don't want to be called a hero, but there is this contrast I feel between like cowardice and bravery. <laughs> and mm. it's, it, I don't know, like, do you, do you think that um, it's fair sometimes to call a whistleblower or a dissident or an especially brave artist as a hero? I mean, everyone can have their different view of different individuals. Everyone might have a different idea of who their hero is. For me, I don't, I don't see myself as anyone's hero. I hope one day I can be my own hero, um, but I, I'm not out searching to be, to be anyone's hero but my own. Really, it's, it's a, it's a personal agency thing. If if you're always looking outward for someone to to help you and 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 fix your problems then you will always i don't know let me let me see if i can phrase this better but it's the only person you can change is yourself so if you're looking to a hero perhaps a hero inspires you but or in maybe yeah inspires you or inspires change within you but the only person who has the power to change yourself is is yourself so we all have to be our own heroes at some point yeah yeah I think like if I ever do call someone a hero it's because they inspire me to be the Mm -hmm. hero of my own life because they're becoming heroes of their own life like it's really more of like individualism and I I, I'm so disappointed that individuality has gotten such a bad reputation among like the mobs, many of like the mobs of our time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, like, as if like individualism, bad collectivism, good, you know, and mm-hmm. it, you can't, you can't have one without the other. Like, in fact, you need individuals who are the heroes, heroes of their own stories to then make up a stronger collective. Um, exactly. And I feel like, 
you get yeah like and yeah. I feel like um as a writer I've been really taken aback by the hijacking of language by like the demonizing of one word and like the idol worship of another word or concept has this yeah. also been part of your road of trials oh for sure I mean being part of a once again like the acting community the theater community it's particularly in that spectrum of of people I don't like to group people together but we all choose to be part of different communities at some point and I just I was so uncomfortable I mean I just when you feel like you have to walk on eggshells every time you're with people that you want to like and and want to be accepted by and want to create beautiful things with like all, all I wanted to do was create create art with other people and when there's this self-censorship and this this blockade where you have to think about every word that comes out of your mouth like how are you supposed to be like comfortable how are you really reaching potential if you can't even have a conversation without thinking uh-oh what if I say this it just totally shuts you off it it well it shuts the valve of inspiration for me that's for sure yeah. And it's, I find it really concerning that within especially the theater community and as well as like a lot of musicians too, like, I think mm -hmm. there are like actors and musicians who are stepping out and yeah. like, I see, you know, I see those people as kind of like the kind of people I want to be around and talk to, yeah. uh, but they're, yeah. And like, while I don't, I really want to shy away from like lumping people together because that's what they do to us sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, it's hard not to because they it seems they formed sort of a mob and um i'm curious within the theater community even before 2020 or perhaps like more recently what is something that is just a big no-no that you can't or you they don't want you to talk about oh the big spectrum of of race is a big a big no-no um, so a lot of, um, feminist culture as well. And the new age feminism, mm -hmm. I mean, um, and, uh, I don't know anything, anything right now that's taboo in, in the world, it, it applies to the theater community, I mean, and, and the acting community, Hollywood, all, all that stuff, everything you hear on the, on the news, it applies to what I've, what I've seen, what I've, I've experienced uh, about um, equal, equal outcome versus equal opportunity. And um, yeah, I mean, all, all, all the no-no topics that you can think of are very, very prominent in, mm. in that particular community. Have you, have you tried to bring up any of these topics with your theater friends? I, I did a couple of years ago. I was on set. I was filming a, a show and I, I brought up, a, I, I just hinted at, something that doesn't go against the current feminism narrative and I felt I felt the tension rise suddenly and I thought okay I'm in the workplace okay I am here to work I'm not here to chat politics with anyone and chat my beliefs so I'm gonna shut my mouth and I'm gonna go on with my day because I've got other other work to do but after that one one incident I'm like gosh I really gotta be I gotta be careful with the crowds I'm in and what what I say and the more and more I saw that happening within myself the more I distanced myself from that particular community because I I couldn't speak my mind what's what's the point like if you're around friends are they really your friends if you can't speak openly to them yeah and particularly like in an artistic environment you need to have that freedom and you need to have mm -hmm. like that trust um yeah. and it's it's a shame that like so many creative communities are are experiencing this this censorship within um because art has a way of 
approaching the darkest corners of the psyche and of the world and really making beauty and meaning of them. But to do that, you need to feel free. Like that, that's why we have a thing called creative freedom. Yeah, um, yeah. 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 Like, so how, how can your art contribute to the needs of the time as you see them? Well, for me, just art in general is a lot more accessible to, to the world. Right now, there's so much going on and people are so, so stressed about what's happening tomorrow and the next day and everyone's latched onto their phones and their TV screens. And there are so many people on every end of the belief spectrum that are desperately pushing facts and numbers and, and history lessons and it gets exhausting. Nobody likes to be, I've used the word before, nobody likes to be fire hosed. It's very overwhelming, especially if you've never thought about any of these topics before. And art, to me, is the best way to put things lightly. Hmm. And it's the best way to encourage thought without forcing people into a conversation that they're not ready to have. So that's like, that's what I'm doing with, with my, with my poetry. All I want to do is present ideas, present thoughts, present opinions, and kind of let people do with it what they will. Because like I said before, like you can't change anyone's mind. They can only change their own mind. You can't bring a horse to water and you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make it drink type of thing. So I'm, I'm herding the horses to the pond and letting them do what they want. Yeah. That's how my poetry is going to be. That's how it's going to help. Hopefully we'll see. I, I think so. I mean, you can't make them drink. I think that's what you were getting at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the power of the pen is, is it a part of art? Like I, I think sometimes like visual artists kind of forget that like writers are artists too. Um, and I've noticed like, even in the phrasing, like we say like artists and writers and I'm like, why don't we just say artists? Cause we're all artists. <laughs> oh, do you know what? I never really never really came across that bias honestly in my my life I just I I guess maybe because I'm around all sorts of different types of artists I see everyone as as an artist um yeah I don't know yeah I don't know I mean I don't come across it all the time actually because my my parents are artists like they're artists behind me (laughs) (laughs) so like we always referred to ourselves as a family of we still refer to ourselves as as a family of artists and uh, my mom, while a visual artist, also is a really talented writer. So from a very early age, she instilled in me um, what is the power of the pen and how that can be your sword. You don't need to um, you don't need to fight or raise your voice when your words already hold meaning, mm-hmm. um, which is a lesson I'm like still learning. Yes. So how does the power of the pen prepare you and perhaps others for challenges ahead? Right. I mean, for me, the way I'm writing is a way where I write down my, my thoughts and I kind of let everything flow out and then I can reflect on it myself. So it helps me understand my own thoughts. It helps me think critically about what my opinions are. So whenever I, I write a poem, I try not to censor myself in any way. I'm, I'm getting pretty good at that. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I let everything flow and it's a way of processing my, my beliefs mm-hmm. and questioning them as well. So that's how, how my pen is powerful in my life. This reminds me of one of your poems. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, bemuse mm. um wait do, i'm sorry did we read this one or have i just bemuse? read it many times oh. myself you've probably read it many times okay <laughs> <laughs> but we i don't think we read it today so okay no. um this is called bemuse and i just kind of want to like reflect on it with you 
Should you retreat to ideology? Right and wrong do not bend to identity. No matter a given social status or the way you hold your head, if your pride rejects what is, your moral compass starves instead. Hmm. It's very interesting to hear someone else read your, read your work. It's like, it's, it's hidden different, really? <laughs> yeah. but like you're, you're reading it exactly the way I have it in my head. So I'm glad it's translating to that kind of rhythm anyway, for you anyways. But um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think in a way it's, it speaks, it speaks for itself. You, you need to follow, follow your moral compass. And the stronger that is, the more clarity you will have in all the decisions you make. You don't need to identify with a certain group or a certain uh, political side. It's what your moral compass is telling you that is the be all end all. Mm. Yeah. And while I think reason and science um, definitely have a place in our society, I think there needs to be a balance. Um, and I think that, um, that that was what I was getting out of the poem too, is like, especially that last line about the moral compass. Um, if, if a certain ideology or approach is steering a big group of people to shame, shun, and dehumanize another group of people, I really have a hard time trusting that ideology itself. Right. Um, so what are you seeing in terms of shaming, shunning, and dehumanizing people who are more alternative in their choices? Well, I, I think it's, it's so interesting because when it comes to groups or in, individuals who are, who are speaking out against the mainstream narrative right now that's that's not the right thing to do but not so long ago the whole punk rock movement all that stuff was anti-establishment and it was cool man it was cool to be against the system whatever you wanted to call it and now it's cool to be it, I don't know what it is, but it, it's cool to be compliant and complacent. Since when was that cool? Like, what is this upside down world? I'm like, where have yeah. all the hippies gone? Like, where are my rebels? <laughs> yeah. yeah, where have all the hippies gone? Um, mm. Would you say that, like what we're talking about in terms of like feeling ostracized from perhaps your theater community and like feeling... Um, like there's this wave of dehumanizing people like us who are more alternative. Would you say that like, that's the main ordeal you're facing or is it something else? I think the main ordeal I'm facing right now is I I'm still getting used to this new view of the world. So it's pretty much me versus my own indoctrination right now. And I'm like, just beating it down with a stick and trying to figure out, like, I'm trying to catch myself every time I do something that I was, I was convinced to do by, let's say the public school system or just the society around me. I'm, that's, that's my battle is really trying not to fall into these habits that have been so ingrained within me and trying to dig a little deeper to to critical thinking and and my my moral compass yeah that's my challenge yeah yeah I mean it always comes back to the self and yeah. it, I don't think that that's selfish you know and even that word is like what does that word even mean um because turning turning inward is in a way it can be very selfless because you can say, okay, all that stuff is going on outside me. Like, I mean, it seems like a lot of people will like want people like me dead right now. It's kind of a weird vibe, but, <laughs> <laughs> but like, 
if I can at least like see a sliver of myself in that person or in that group and say, you know, I'm not immune to the human condition and I can be the hero of my own life and change whatever it is within me that perhaps is like a bit of a mirror image um, of what I'm seeing outside of myself. Like then I can take my power back. Yeah. And we all have potential, right? And the most selfless act, I would think, is to live your life trying to reach that potential. Because the more of us who are striving to reach our potential there are, the less problems there are in the world. We can spend our entire lives trying to fix the outside world and never once look inward. And that's where a lot of the problems are, really. So it, it, I, I think it's very selfless mm-hmm. to try your best to be the most, the most useful, the u- most useful version of yourself, the most, yeah, just, just reach your potential. Potential is the best word I can think of for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like that, that story, like that journey of kind of like rediscovering who you truly are. I'm thinking of the Lion King brief, which is like, remember who you are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, like that, that isn't like countless, I mean, not just the Lion King, but like countless stories, um, really epic tales, movies, books, um, and and that like another stage of the hero's journey is called magic flight, or some some call it that magic flight. So, um, when seeking an escape or some magic in the mundane, I feel like art can help us catch flight or magic flight. Yeah. What comes up for you when you hear the words magic flight, and what does creative freedom within that flight mean for you? Wow. Hmm. That's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question. I mean, for me, as soon as I started just letting my, my creative juices flow, like as soon as Parkesia was out of my system, I feel like that, that was the blockage and the floodgates open. So I felt like inspiration wise like I I was I I think I still am I'm I'm flying I'm just because I don't have that um wall of self-censorship anymore in my art maybe I still have it in my everyday life communicating with people around me but in my art I have so much freedom and it's it's magic it's it's beautiful because i've never felt more in touch with myself because i've i've never known how to not censor myself and to be able to do that through poetry is is such a wonderful experience and when i get to i write a poem and i read it back to myself i'm like wow that felt great to let out so it helps me learn more about myself, really. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like such a relief. Hmm. And do you ever consider your art activism? I no. Simple answer, no. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what the world is doing with my work, perhaps, is activism in a way. Like I said, I'm I'm doing it for I'm doing it for myself. I'm doing it to understand myself better and and really get more in touch in touch with my with my beliefs and my and my moral compass and what people do with my art afterwards is is up to them. But what I do love is that my poem at least is is bringing up conversations conversations that need to be had with between people I don't know and even between myself and and people I care about it's kind of opened the doors you know I I wrote a pretty 
pretty out there blunt poem and you can't ignore that (laughs) people people who, who who I know personally like they can't ignore that they they heard the poem Mm. now they know a little bit of what I think so Mm. and would you say that the reward of this year has been writing your book the reward for me this year is what I guess what writing all these poems have done for me on a spiritual level but I mean the the book is a a definitely a a cherry on top because I I never really planned in my life to write a book I never thought I was that kind of person who would ever publish a book it was just not in not in the cards for Kayla but I just I I went with the opportunities and I went with the flow and I think the more you follow your your gut and your and your compass the more synchronicities kind of fall into place so it's 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 beautiful for me to see like that that I was able to to write a book I didn't think that was something I could do yeah yeah you did it I I absolutely love it I even love like just the feel of it and the size of it and the line drawings um it's like a good companion to my constant stream of news and and information because like I can tell you're in a similar headspace as me but then you also like help me escape back to my my poet self and my my love of story and metaphor so I'm very grateful that you wrote it me too. Me too. Mm-hmm. Well, do you think that you've experienced any of the latter stages of the hero's journey, like returning to the old world in some sense or of resurrection or resolution? Yeah, I mean, the, the returning to the old world is is happening, though I'm still learning and understanding which is something that's never going to end I'll always be learning and reshaping the way I'm I'm thinking and I'm actually looking forward to that um but definitely going into this this new world with a a new perspective is is refreshing because I'm thinking now now that I have a better idea of what's going on now I can live my life in a, a better way. Now I can be less reliant and I'm learning tricks to be less reliant on a system that's built to fail me. And that's very comforting. It is. Yeah. Are you able to envision a new world? At this stage? No. Um, not a full world, but my my small portion of the world i can i can envision that hmm what does that feel like when you when you envision your own p- part of a new world oh it, it's peace it's absolute peaceful filled with love filled with life I, I see myself on a, on a farm. I see children who have never been exposed to, well, not necessarily exposed, but who I see through the eyes of a child in a way where you're looking at everything and it's brand new and there's no prior judgment on anything and no prior idea of what what you're supposed to be because you're not looking outward for that it's all in here mm. that sounds incredible feels incredible i mean i i've never really articulated it but it's like it's very peaceful <laughs> yeah well, thank you for coming on today. I would love for anyone who's watching to be able to find you and perhaps buy your book if they're interested. Where can people yeah. find you online? So on Instagram, I'm recently on TikTok. Um, it's at the Kayla Henry. 
And my website is kaylahenryonline.com. And you can find my book there. And you could just easily do a, an internet search, find Kayla Henry Parhesia or Kayla Henry uh, rhymes to rhetoric. That's, that's the name of the book. So great. All right, well, let's stay in touch. I've really enjoyed our conversation today and I really- oh, That was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Thank you All so right. much for having me. My pleasure. Take care, Kayla. You too. Bye.